What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze. And the problem with an addict and an alcoholic is that I only want to focus on the negative shit. I only want to focus when I mess up. I only want to focus on the times that I'm doing wrong. I never want to focus on the times that I'm doing good. So that's part of the benefits of working through the steps because they're going to ask me, you know, what did you do good today? What did you do well? How did you show an act of love? Today, my guest is Raymond Tackett a native of my hometown, Columbus, Ohio, and a host of a great podcast called Clean or Sober. He's got over a decade of being both clean and sober. And today he's gonna share with us some of the wisdom he's gained from the 12 steps himself, as well as his own life experiences in sponsoring others. By the end of this episode, Ray and I want you to leave with a better understanding of the triangle of obsession, which is something I hadn't heard of before, but which I think can help all of us to think about sobriety from a different angle, especially if we aren't in a 12-step program. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. And I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries and relapses until finally in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone. So let's break up with booze together. And now let's get rolling with Ray. I'm thrilled to have you. And thanks for taking the time to bless us with your knowledge and your experience, man. Yes, I grew up uh, in kind of like the uh, my father was shot and killed when I was a year old, so I didn't have a dad in the house. Uh, My mother's an alcoholic. And um, it was the kind of house to where I knew when the parties were going on, you know, like my sister and I, you know, they didn't really care. It's not not at all like I have with my kids today. You know, it's yeah, you know, they would just party and, you know, hope the kids didn't wake up, but we would be able to run through the house and they would, you know, let us play quarters you know, every once in a while, like, let yeah. us make the drink, let us make the quarter and take the drink if we made it. And the whole house would cheer. Right. You know, 10 year old kid, nine year old kids. But, um, you know, fast forward, you know, she kind of got us out of the house we were living in. She finally got sober herself. Well, abstinent. She's never really done a program. Um, she just went abstinent. She didn't go to like meetings or anything like that. But uh, I went, she, she to put us in a private school. I think that was an attempt to, you know, try to overcompensate. And, uh, and then I went to a private school up in Michigan, okay. came back. I had lost my financial aid cause she was just basically poor and couldn't sustain me being at a school in Michigan somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and lost the financial aid and I came back and I went to South high school, which is a really bad high school in, you know, the nineties. Yep. The, the yeah. Right. It, my mom graduated from South High School in 1958, so like, but but it's a little different than it was in 1958. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so you know that's where you know I went there for probably a year, and then met some guy who asked me to cut school. At that point, I had no idea what that was, even in high school, and uh, you know we started actually started with cigarettes, and then um, you know moved on to weed and. Uh, from there, I pretty much aced the first year, but it was just such a bad school that I just told my mother, I was like, you know what, I'm not getting anything from this school. And she was like, well, if you're, if you're not going to school and you're going to drop out, you got to work. So I was working full time at 16 and helping her pay rent. Um, using just escalated. I mean, I, I, you know what, everybody's experience is their own, but, but I, I never lie and say that you know, using wasn't fun in the beginning. Right. I mean, from 16 to probably, you know, 22, it was amazing. I mean, 
did I think we you know probably you know used everything except for a few hard substances and didn't use opiates. Uh, the ironic thing is I had two sisters in recovery and I would be doing everything that I did, but I would be calling my sister a pill head. Yeah. Like every single substance that you could get your hands on, but judging my sister because I didn't understand it. Right. So fast forward to, I got a DUI when I was 21 okay. and I just quit everything. I was just abstinent though. You know, I didn't know anything about a program. I didn't know anything about addiction or alcoholism. I didn't know anything. I just didn't use anything at all for probably five years. Had lots of success. And the group that was around me, friends, family, you know, alcohol, I think is the one insidious thing that people ask you why you're not using it. Nobody asks you like, why aren't you smoking heroin? Why aren't you? Why aren't you smoking meth with us? Why aren't you gonna have a? Why are you gonna have a shot of fentanyl? You can just have one. <laughs> right, just like, so the, the 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 people in my the people in my group were like, you know, why? Uh, you didn't have a problem with wine, and I was like, you're right, I didn't. You know, I told myself the lie. Yeah. And I hit out pretty incognito for about a year because I mean I had to find all the reds, and then I figured out the whites, and then I've yeah. you know you pair it with food. Yeah. It's a really sneaky way to stay under the radar and uh but again in less than a year i was drinking like three four bottles a night and then had my wisdom teeth removed and for the first time took opiates and i remember my sister coming over and which i get it now my (laughs) same sister she's like hey do you still have any of those left over and i was like no i took it as prescribed at that point i didn't know anything different yeah, I, I feel like and I still wonder to this day, I, I always say I never take anything back because all the hardships and negativity that I've experienced have made me who I am today. That's just not some hokey, cheesy program shit. I believe that true and true. I would like to have the time back, but that's it. Yeah. But she said, you know, you can call and they'll give you more. I was like, why would they do that? Yeah. You know, that makes no sense. But I called because I didn't like the pain. And I was just like, they sat on my shelf for 30 days, I think. I never took it and it just hung out. And I made a conscious decision to like actually use them. Like it was a Friday, I was off of work, I ordered pizza and um, I just decided to take two. And from there, you know, I just did what a lot of people say. Um, I just adapted to different bottoms and different, different situations. I went from finding different locations to get them legally prescription wise till they wouldn't do it to finally lowering my self-esteem and asking my sister <laughs> who, you know, got me with one or two people to cutting her out and just talking to those people to finding my own ways and means and um, doing things I would never do before. So, yeah. uh, I would say two and a half, three years in, I decided I wanted to stop, but I didn't know what withdrawals were. That's how naive I was, mm-hmm. you know, and I just basically thought I, I thought I was sick. And I remember talking to somebody who was who I was actively getting things from and they called, you know, because they're concerned about me. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, I haven't called for three days <laughs> and I told them, you know, like uh, my situation and they were like, what do you and I was like, I was really concerned about Tylenol. I was the nerdy person. It was like, well, I got to keep it to under 4,000 milligrams for 24 hours. And, and he was like, well, you could use this. It doesn't have any Tylenol in it. And I was like, what? Like, I again, yeah. Um, you know, I have two DUIs on my record. 
on alcohol, I don't know if it's from childhood. I went to therapy a lot and I was just very angry. You know, I wasn't the happy drunk and, you know, 6'3", 285, borderline blacked out, but super dangerous. Everybody wanted away from me. He, mm. he, might, he might swing on somebody. He's going to drive, like, just just get this guy out of the out of here as quick yeah. as you can. Yeah. Um, so when I used found opiates, it that seemed like a solution because I was never like that. I was, I mean, way more dangerous, obviously, but I, I felt more dangerous on alcohol than anything because I, I went to a state of almost like sleepwalking, you know, but up, up moving around, driving, doing everything I didn't, you know, but having no clue what I was doing. But yeah, so then I just, you know, I just kind of graduated on um, to the next thing and found lower and lower and lower bottoms. Um, the second time I tried to quit um, was actually when I found out my daughter, my daughter was going to, you know, uh, her mom was pregnant. And, you know, I actually found, you know, found Suboxone on the street and successfully detoxed myself uh, over 12 days and had like two weeks of legitimate freedom, but didn't know anything about a program, didn't realize that I'm the problem, not the substance. And like a friend of ours had Xanax for sale, which I'd never taken. And this is like the key key, <laughs> like the telltale phrase for like an addict or an alcoholic. She's like, hey, I've got Xanax. Do you, you want to buy one? Do you want to buy some? And I said, sure. And she was like, well, they're, they're two bucks. And I was like, okay, could I, could I get like 60? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Normal people would be like, yeah, like, sure. One. Yeah. One like two. One or two. <laughs> Never done two of anything. Right. Oh, that so, I yeah, could I, be the person who who has two beers, right? Like I it just right. it's just not me. <laughs> Damn it. It's not. But uh that that's the next day I was getting um getting what I wanted. Literally the very next day. I was right back into that after ten days of freedom and so that just started me right back. You know, it's just like 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 they say with like, you know, an AA. Um, I, I primarily attend NA, but you know, it's like an allergy. You know, the minute it's in me, it's like I'm 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 just on the move. I took the registered nurse that I was with, my daughter's mother, through two evictions. <laughs> um and finally, the odd thing was is that um I remember the first time like everything, all my bridges were burned, everything was absolutely just just over. You know, I had really no other options left and the place that i called to go to treatment at they were just so busy and you know i got i got clean november 30th 2011 so it was cold you know mm -hmm. there weren't many beds and i called every day for probably 18 days now there are a lot of amazing places in this city as you know yeah. um there weren't back then <laughs> so uh let me go back i the day before i called and i said she would always say call back tomorrow you have to call back tomorrow to check and see if there's any beds and i remember telling her i said uh look i'm gonna die or i'm gonna end up in prison like can you just tell me that i'm on a list i don't care that the list is 700 people long just tell me that i'm on a list yeah. so that i not worry about it and she said, call back tomorrow. And I was like, felt so devastated. Yeah. Uh, well, the next day she called and she said, hey, a bed, a bed is available. And I just started crying my eyes out. Yeah. 
Like I was just like totally surrendered. You know what I mean? Like, wow. But still, I didn't think I had a problem. Um, I only planned to go there for three days. <laughs> I was like, right. after three pairs of boxers, you know, like I took my pop. They were like, you can't bring that in here. I thought I was going to the, like the fucking Hyatt or something. It's like, this is treatment, buddy. <laughs> this is treatment. You know, fortunately, I just, you know, uh, there's a there's a group called H&I, stands for Hospitals and Institutions. Okay. They basically, are just a group of addicts or alcoholics, and they go and speak at like prisons and treatment centers. Okay. And I heard somebody, and I was like, I, you know, typical entitled, you know, self-centered, ego-driven addict. I'm like, he, he's talking directly to me. You know, he's telling my story, right? <laughs> and and some of the things that he was saying, I was like, maybe I should, maybe I should try to get everything that, that I can while I while I'm here, you know. So yeah, I stayed as long as I could. I begged the people to let me stay and they let me stay. And the crazy thing is when I got out, one of the dumbest things that I did, you know, trying to find ways and means to get more is I would go to like all these check cashing places and, and just get money and basically, you know, have fake pay stubs and fake bank statements and not really have a good checking account. And I'll say two things. The cool thing is, is that, 10 years later, I've made amends to all those people, you mm. know, I paid every single one of those back. So that's, that's a lot of freedom in itself. But, um, I was just doing everything I could that I actually had a felony warrants while I was in treatment. And, uh, I was going to meetings. I was so fired up about recovery. I had like four months clean and sober for the first time ever, like a legit mm. four months, you know, meeting sponsorship, step work. And they started running like this ad on the channel six news, uh, on something called crime stoppers. Yeah. Yeah. I had my face on there. Oh was, no, no shit. I I but the crazy thing is, is like, you hear a lot of people talk about like the triangle self-obsession in meetings. There's a great IP and it talks about fear, anger, and resentment, um, which is directly related to obsession, compulsion, and self-centeredness. Um, and what those are tied to are the past, the present, and the future. So the past is uh, resentment. Uh, the present is anger and the future is fear. So I was a huge proponent of getting caught up in that emotional state of fear, um, which is sometimes a natural emotion. I mean, there's, there could be legitimate fears that aren't a defect in itself, but the problem with fear of the past or the future is when I'm creating made up scenarios in my head and acting out in the present moment. But I did that so many times because I had warrants. Like I ran from a job that I had, probably the best job that I had. I saw police officers pull up in the parking lot and I just took off. I told them I was going to go get some ibuprofen. I ran home. <laughs> Uh, I remember my sponsor and he's like, he's like, what are you going to do, dude? Like, you're going to go to Canada or Mexico? What are you doing? And uh, I went back to work and it was just like I took a break and they weren't there for me. They were probably there for like <laughs> to get lunch with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. But the fear and that uh, the future scenario, I just created a scenario in my head and acted out on it in the present moment. Yeah. Which, you know, for anybody listening, it's easier said than done to recognize when you're in that state. But um, yeah. anyway, I turned myself in at four months. You know, I was like, I need to face this. 
I surrendered. I was like, if I lose the job, I lose the job. But uh, yeah, I just need to do whatever it takes to kind of make this a part of my past. So I turned myself in and that's a part of the past. They just ended up dismissing all the charges. Oh, wow. I think, I think because it, for one, it's because of where I was at, at that place in time. Yeah. They knew. They knew that I went to went to treatment. They knew that I was active. I had like 30, 40 people that were really willing to write letters on my behalf. So obviously, as you could imagine, that's different than just going in there or getting caught or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's a part of my past. And then just kind of fast forward what I did, you know, what I do today is, uh, you know, once I got out, I just got back working with steps with the sponsor and worked all 12 steps, not three, you know, not one, not, not up to step four, because like, I'll, I'll tell you for like your listeners, if, you know, if you go to any program, it doesn't matter what it is. It's always 12 steps. They just interject different things. And, you know, AA is powerless over alcohol. NA is powerless over addiction, you know, obsession, compulsion, self-centeredness, sex is sex, overeating, overeating, compulsive eating. So, and what I, my major issue when I look at, when I look at the steps is, is just simply obsession, obsession, compulsion, and self-centeredness. So if I'm, you know, obsessing about something, everybody that's listening knows what that is, you know, um, the minute I get ready to take that last bite of food, I'm thinking about something sweet or a chocolate chip cookie or something like that before I even finish my dinner. Yeah. So compulsion is no matter what the results are, I actively make a decision to use no matter what the results are and using, it doesn't matter what you insert, sex, gambling, overeating. And then the compulsion is once I'm in that cycle, it's all about me. It's self-centeredness. So yeah. obsession, compulsion, self-centeredness, is my problem and and if i just it just died at obsession that thought dies a natural death the next day as long as i don't act out on it and call somebody or reach out or bring it up in a meeting it just it stays in obsession it dies a natural death and i'm able to continue moving forward the next day it's when i'm in that next step which is regardless of results that i'm that i'm unmanageable um so yeah, man, fortunately I, I was just, I was able to get super busy with a sponsor. Um, you know, we got through all 12 steps and I remember him being like, uh, you know, a lot of times, especially like 90 days, you probably, you're closer to the 90 days than I am. So you'll probably remember this, or maybe you do in meetings. What I would do is I had this nickname for myself reflecting back, um, that I would call like 90 day Ray. 90 day Ray. Yeah. 90 day day Ray didn't have a lot of experience, but man, I just had a book of things that sounded cool that other people said. Yeah. 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 That's kind of where I'm at still too. (laughs) You just have the list of things that you hear people say that like get head nods and stuff like that. Like great. great (laughs) Not a leap of faith. If you know where you're going to land, Dana. That's right. those types of things that'll just get you a big smile in the meeting like yeah an old timer go like yeah <laughs> oh, that made my ego feel really good i love it That's but uh yeah i get just super busy and um but i did the thing that i told you where i just kind of regurgitated what i heard and i came to my sponsor and i said hey man i'm feeling really complacent you know addicts and alcoholics love that word and uh he said well Let's first call it what it is. 
you're being fucking lazy. You're not complacent. And I was like, okay, so what do I need to do? And he was like, start working with the newcomer, you know? And, and what I want you to do is I just want you to go up to somebody that raised their hand, that they've got limited clean time or sober time, or maybe they're asking for a sponsor, or maybe you've never seen them before. Just go up to them and ask them, you know, kind of what got them, what got them there and fight yourself from interjecting yourself into it because you're going to want to. Yeah. Don't talk about your story. Don't talk about your experience. Just engage them and go from there. And literally the next meeting I went to, if this isn't some higher power God stuff, like literally someone asked me to sponsor them. I didn't have to go up to anybody. I'm like, how does this work? You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it just took off from there. You know, sponsorship to me, getting through all 12 steps, being here as long as I have been and being of service is the number one thing. There are a lot of things that I've seen people do you know, there are some people that engage with the program heavily, like that becomes their family. That's their life. You know, they go to one or two meetings a day, nine years later. There are a lot of people that I sponsor. You know, I sponsor. I just gave a guy a 10 year medallion October 5th that I sponsored from 10 months on. You know, oh, wow. he just got 10 years. Wow. Um, got lots of sponsees like that. But uh, the similarities and all the people that I've seen that aren't here compared to them and everybody that I see that's still here, worked all 12 steps, stay connected in some way, shape or form and try to be of service. Now, there's a lot of people that aren't gonna be in service and sponsorship. I mean, I sponsor somebody who has, you know, pretty huge mental issues, you know, uh, but you know what? He's in every meeting. He chairs a lot of meetings. He's, he's like, you see that guy and you, you see him in every meeting. You know, he's a walking example of the 12 step. So, um, that would just be my key thing. You know, uh, again, I don't go to a meeting a day anymore at all. You know, I just yeah. not, uh, one a week, you know, sometimes one every two weeks, but I'm, I meet up and work steps with a sponsee every week. Okay. I'm working steps with guys every single week. Yeah. Um, but the last two things I just want to say in terms of, and I'm not trying to pound it, but again, it's, it's, yeah. it's the steps and it's, and it's, and it's my experience is, the importance of working steps for me, I'll explain through multiple, multiple sponsees, including the way my own experience was when I first started. So when you're working the four step, if you're not aware of what that is, it's, 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 it's an honest appraisal of what your day looks like. And so that's the good and the bad. It's not just the bad. So there's something called assets and defects. Okay. So defects are things like um, anger, dishonesty, laziness, fear, humility, or uh, pride, um, lust, envy, things like that. The, on the alternate side, there's things like, you know, love, contentment, faith, humility. So if I'm looking at an honest appraisal of my day, I need to look at both of those because they're even in active addiction, going through all the shit that I went through. There were times that I had little fleeting moments of love, you know, or mm-hmm. faith or humility. And so whenever I work with a sponsee, and, and I did it the same exact way when I meet with a sponsor and I'm like, so do, so Dana, do me a favor. Tell me about a time when you acted out in anger towards your mother, you know, Dana runs through the list, right? Yeah. Tell me about a time that you acted out in anger towards your, your kids, you know, Dana just firing off the list. Right. Um, what about with your spouse? Tell me about a time you were dishonest. Tell me about a time that you were angry that, you know, they just, it's like an AK 47. So then I get done with that. 
Dana, for your kids, for your mother, or for your spouse, tell me a time that you acted out in love. And I swear to you, 99% of the time, it's absolute silence. Mm. It's dead air. I did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I actually started to cry because I was like, I was so pissed at myself that I was trying to, (laughs) I had to sit there and like, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Yeah. And, And the problem with like an addict or an alcoholic is that I only want to focus on the negative shit. Yeah. I only want to focus when I mess up. I only want to focus on the times that I'm doing wrong. I never want to focus on the times that I'm doing good. So that's part of the benefits of working through the steps because they're going to ask me, you know, what did you do good today? Where did you do, what did you do well? How did you show an act of love? You know? Um, and so that's that. The other thing is my, from my mother's job. So I just want to talk about the ninth step really quickly. Yeah. So my mother's job, you know, a company that she ran, I was really sick one day and I go in there, no plans just to say hi. And there's a stack of blank checks. I'm like, why would she do that? Yeah. I just peel one off. Right. And I figure that I figure it's my mom's job. So I'm going to get in trouble for sure. Um, so I might as well write it, you know, write it for a large sum because a large, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in trouble anyway. Um, yeah. I'm not going to write it for a hundred bucks. So <laughs> I, I do that. Her boss finds out, long story short, you know, I end up getting clean. Like, fortunately, he didn't press charges. Um, two and a half years down the road, I got to a place financially to where I was able to go to him with a, with a good plan. Um, and, you know, I came in there and I was ready to pay monthly. And by the way, for me, when I sponsor people, I want to say this quickly is I've had sponsees like want to go to the bitter end with making the amends when people have told them, you know, like I had a sponsor that said, you know, I can pay you $25 a month. And the person said, you know, well, just, just don't worry about it. You know, I just want you to, I just want you to keep doing what you're doing. And he felt like I was just going to continue to do it. And what I learned is that sometimes people don't want reminded. Mm. Yeah. Because every time they get that $25 payment for the next two years, they're going to remember what that payment's for. A lot of times people are ready to move on. So I, I, I should be ready to move on to, um, I accept their position where they're at. So, but yeah, I went into think about this, a business owner has no connection to me, no family. He did the same thing to me. You know, I said, uh, uh, what I said it was for, it wasn't for that. It was for drugs. You know, I was just in a bad spot in my life. Uh, I know I can't fix, you know, the, the absolute damage that I caused probably for my relationship and my mother's, but all I can do to make it better is just, just kind of get that back. And, you know, I can pay 50 bucks a month. And he was like, you know, he's like, dude, you're doing well. Your mom's been talking about you. Like, uh, just, just keep on the path you're on. I I don't want your money. Just keep it. And like, Mm. I literally floated out of there. Yeah. The, The benefits of the benefits of doing that and kind of plugging away isn't to get it done quickly. It's to get it done with a sponsor. That's the most important. So you don't end up causing more harm, not to free your, you know, free yourself at the expense of others. You know, if you cheated on somebody, I don't ever tell somebody to bring that forward because I'm freeing myself, freeing my conscience at the expense of them. The way I can do that is I just don't do it anymore. Try to be the best version of myself for that person moving forward. But the beauty of that is when you're able to check those things off and you have nothing left, 
other than what you do today. Like that is probably the most freedom that I've experienced is, is when my ninth step was empty, you know, and it seems like a daunting list, you know, 26 check cash places just took, you know, took some time, but. So I got, I got three questions for you. The first one is um, what would you say to 90 day Ray? Because, you know, a lot of listeners for this little podcast are early in sobriety like me and, you know, we're I, some of them are inside 90 days and you know what what's something that you wish you could have known then that you know now or whatever what do you think it would be helpful for yeah for, for your former there's self two, to have heard there's two major things that i think are absolutely imperative uh the first one is financial relationship professional or medical advice does not exist and the rooms are from sponsorship. Like the only reason any program works is because I'm sharing my experience. Um, so if I try to tell somebody who to date, how to date them, what to do, I'm robbing that person of building a relationship with the God of their own understanding. Yeah. I'm robbing them of the experience. So I would say that would be number one, key number one. Um, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in early recovery up until about 18 months clean with relationships, just completely toxic, had no idea to be how to have relationships with anybody, yeah. let, alone, let alone myself. The thing I did do is that I capitalized on the mistakes. I learned what I wanted and what I don't want, and I didn't use. So I stayed in the, stayed in the program, tons of growth because of that unfortunate pain. So that'd yeah. be number one. You know, if, if you've got somebody who's just trying to tell you what to do or give you advice, they're blocking you from building the program of recovery for yourself. Um, and they're trying to be your higher power. The other thing is, and I think this is the biggest massive key is, and this is easier said than done, especially when you're early and you haven't really identified yourself and understand what it looks like. But so judgment, okay. Pride and judgment. There's, there's two different, two different ones. So there's the better than and the less than. The better than is I'm better than you. I've done everything that I can do. Your program sucks. That's the better than. That's what most people think pride is. The less than is I feel like I should be somewhere else. I feel like I should be where you're at. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what somebody in early recovery will do will will be to judge their program against other people. Mm. What I'm doing when I do that is I'm allowing them to take something from me. So it's so much easier said than done, but if you could just have an awareness that if that feeling comes up, recognize that as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, keep moving forward. The second piece of awareness is if you have that feeling and you have that awareness show up, I look at it as a, as a gift from the God of my understanding on making me analyze what I'm not doing because I'm either feeling that way because I'm in judgment and I'm in pride and my ego is shattering because I'm judging myself against someone else's program, or maybe I truly, uh, maybe I've been on step one, quote unquote, for the past five months. Mm -hmm. And there's no right or wrong way to work steps. There's no right or way, right speed. But yeah, don't sit in a meeting. If you did your step four in a couple days, don't sit in a meeting and you hear that person, which I'm, this isn't judgment, I'm just stating facts. 
that one person that worked on their step four for three months and they have 198 pages. Yeah. Don't allow that person to take anything away from away from you. You've got it. Don't sit there and go, fuck, maybe I don't have it. Yeah. It was only two pages. My sponsor and I did it on the weekend. Yeah. Why don't I have a 130 page first? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think those are the two key things uh, for, for newcomers because it's, it's really easy when you're new to judge your program against others, you know, and you may have someone busting their ass in the program and they've got 90 days and they're on step six and, you know, they're on fire and, and you're just where you need to be. Okay. Now the second question is, What's a war story? You gotta you gotta share a war story with us. I heard you do that with your buddy, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna pitch it back to you because I want to hear one of yours. Yeah, oh my gosh, there there's so many. <laughs> I, mean, I I had uh, on New Year's Eve, I went on a blind date with my mom. She she had a blind date. Okay. <laughs> it was New Year's Eve, and I was like just drinking at that point. I hadn't used uh, anything else really. I was gonna go to bed. I was in a pretty bad spot, though, financially. I was living with my mother. We lived in a trailer, you know. Um, I always make the joke that that could be the end of the story. <laughs> but she comes in and she goes, you know what? There's this guy that I'm going on a date with, and I'm kind of concerned about him. He's some big Italian guy. And uh, But we're going to this big place, and they've got, like, free, you know, Dom Perignon on every table and – do you think you could go with me and like be my like my safety and i was like yeah sure you know it's my mother so i'm like yeah it's mom he was concerned so we get there and i see all these people just flooding through you know women are just flooding through the front line there's this big russian guy like literally tv russian guy yeah yeah and he goes it's 20 dollars," and i said dude like People just walk by. You didn't ask them for $20. Why is it me? I just think it was because I was a big dude. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I said, I, I'll get it when I get inside. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get it at the tab. I don't have cash or anything like that. So he says, okay. At some point, I must have had so much to drink. <clears throat> the last thing I remember is the Russian finding me again. And I still haven't paid this $20 tab. So he says, he says, he says that to me and it really pisses me off. This is the last thing I remember. I see him over there talking to like some girl at a table. She's sitting by herself and he's talking to her, but he gets up and goes to the restroom and I go and sit down where he was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last thing you remember. Yeah. That's... He comes up to me. He comes up to me and he's like, what are you trying to do? And I look at her and I go, I said, is this your boyfriend? And she's like, no. And I was like, well, then get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> like, send him off. Okay. So he, he leaves. He leaves. There's still no money. And then my mother comes up to me and she goes, Ray, this whole place, I think they're, the whole place is about to beat your ass. Like, you need to get out of here. I'd probably ruffled, I'd probably ruffled feathers everywhere. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So I go, fine. Give me my keys. And she's like, you're not getting your keys. You can leave when we leave. And I was like, um, okay. So I'm sitting at the table and her and her blind date go onto the dance floor. I look down. I'm like, there's his keys. Oh. So I'm like, I grab his keys. I know. 
And this is this is this is the part I don't remember too well, but it just bits and pieces. So I went outside and pushing the alarm. I do remember he had a brand new Scion. So I jump in it. I'm driving down the street. And uh, where do you think I, where where do you think a normal person would go? Probably home, right? Yeah, maybe. Did you go to like White Castle or something? <laughs> I went to the bar first, right? Okay. okay went yeah. to the bar and <laughs> they know me really well in there. I When I made amends to him, you know, I talked about that story, uh, you know, like a year and a half later, I went in there and made amends. But he told me that was the fastest that he had ever kicked anybody out. <laughs> I, I, I went in there and he was kicking me out. I refused to leave and just told him to call the cops uh, unless he sold me a six pack. I said, if you sell me a six pack, I'll leave. And so they were like, yes, sell him the six pack. Sell him the six pack. <clears throat> but that's just the insanity of finding ways and means to get more. And, and I'm, I'm in a stolen blind dates vehicle car. Driving <laughs> around like, a, you know, like I'm going to a, a tailgate. Um, so <laughs> but I left there and I went to White Castle. It was White Castle. Yes, yeah. yes I guessed right. <laughs> if, you, if you listen, if you listen to the first, I think my first episode or second episode, I tell this story. Um, but yeah, I went to White Castle. When I when I pulled up home, there was a cop sitting in the like driveway mm -hmm. of this entrance. You know, standard, typical fear future. I just took off in mm -hmm. the car. Took off towards the woods, slammed on the brakes, phone, beer, food, everything just on the floor. And I ran and I was running through the woods and I saw like what I thought to be a fence. And I jumped and in midair, it was like one of those like six feet worth of barbed wire. Oh, and it, it hit me, hit my ribs. And like, I flipped me and slammed me. And um, I make a funny joke, like it, I slammed on the ground so hard, I like shit myself. Oh, wow. I get up and I'm, I run and I make it to my back door and I look over and the cop's still sitting there. Uh, he's still so just when I tell When I tell like a very long lead, I, I talk about how I run through the, run from cops more that weren't chasing me than ones that were. The ones that were. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, the guy just wanted his car back. And I was so young and so angry. Um, I tried to make amends to that guy, but my mother couldn't remember who he was. So it was just one of those prayers to the universe, you know? Um, yeah. Because he called me and was like, you know, I'm coming there. I'm bringing the cops with me. And I was just so young and angry. I said, you can call the police, but I just want you to remember, I do get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow, yeah, yeah. And it just put him in such a bad position. Yeah. You know, and he was like, fine, I just want my car back. And just I was like, the car. it's right here running <laughs> food and white castles. Hey, by, by the, the way, way, can you give me my phone back? <laughs> That's a good one, man. That was the last time I drank alcohol. Okay. Oh, okay. Well then it's a very significant story then. And you went out, you went out with the bang, like, yeah, man. Wow. What a story. Well, um, the last question I have for you, I'm really grateful to you for taking the time to share your journey with the audience. Uh, the last question is, so uh, the question that I'm asking all my season three guests is, what do you do to show yourself love? Because, you know, if this is the podcast for newly sober people who are learning to love ourselves instead of booze, then, you know, I want to hear from uh, the guests, especially from the veterans, you know, like you who 
got over, uh, gosh, over a decade of sobriety. It's phenomenal. Um, what do you do to show love to yourself? Because I think that seems to be one of the most important things that we can do. And one of the things that I think we, at least we newbies struggle with uh, the most. So I would be fascinated to hear what, what you do in that area. Yeah. So after so many, after so many years, um, even for many years, many years up there, especially once, once I started to really gain an understanding of, of, of step work in and out, there were times that a very long time that I was super rigorous, like in terms of, I got to this place, which for me was a good place, which is you try to explain this to somebody who hasn't worked steps is that the way I feel today, whether or not somebody wrongs me is because of me. It mm. has nothing, nothing to do with them. Yeah. So that's the way I live. But there are so many times that I would get over rigorous with that. So what I do today is, is I, I try to have a hyper awareness of when I'm doing that uh, because I can find myself in a place of what I spoke about earlier to where I'm, you know, I'm going to find what I focus on. The other thing is, is um, having rigorous honesty. You know, at the end of the day, I can be dishonest as I want to be with everybody in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, it matters if I'm honest with myself. So, you know, throughout, um, throughout my time clean, the way I've kind of adjusted that is, is truly taking time and I know this always sounds morbid when I say this, but truly recognizing that there's not a lot of time on the earth. So one of the ways I show myself love is I do not engage in relationships that aren't capitalizing on that. Mm. I know a lot of times, especially early in recovery, you know, people want to flood themselves with a lot of interactions and a lot of people. And it takes time to realize like, I'm not going to waste my time or effort on those in interactions yeah. um, with people that aren't I'm not trying to move forward with. Uh, there have been people really close on my circle that I completely disconnected from over what would seem to be small things. But again, they're just, you know, that person's not progressing. Um, you know, they're doing X, Y or Z. And, you know, I have a finite amount of time available on the earth and I need to give as much love and support and service as I can to the people that need it. Mm. So I think that's the biggest one because it's completely shifted the love that I have for myself because I was just like a service master. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just stretched in 3000 different directions. Now it's just laser focus and so I'm able to I'm able to truly provide love to myself by by really truly giving myself time and freedom versus you know thinking that I'm going to save the world like this program is going to be here when I'm dead and gone. Yeah. <laughs> so I just need to focus on the ones that that are truly important and truly yeah. need my service. Awesome. Yeah. This is that was brilliant and and thanks for what you do because it's not easy work. You know my mom my my exposure to the the 12 steps has come through my mom going through Al-Anon. Um, it's actually really helped me now that, you know, I developed a, an addiction problem and my mom has been just wonderful in the way that she has not tried to help me um, and that she has, you know, worked on her own steps. And and I, as a, as a parent myself, I, I can't imagine how difficult that must be. Um, and she sponsors people and, you know, it, 
so I, I said all that just to say, like, I know how hard it, of, of work it is just for not personally. Um, I have a, mm-hmm. a friend that I said, I said, man, maybe you should be my sponsor. Maybe I should start working the steps with you. And he's like, you know, don't pressure yourself to do it when you're ready, if you want to or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, I know, I know there are like, like the, 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 the amends and things like that need, need to happen. Um, and, and they're hard. And so you, not just for the person doing them, but for the person that's mentoring them and to not interject themselves into it. Mm-hmm. And all those things that you do as a coach uh, and a, and a mentor is it's hard work. And so I just want to say all that. It's a long winded way to say thank you for what you do to take care of people and to help them through. And uh, for, you know, the other 90 day raise out there like me, uh, or the 180, <laughs> the 220 day yeah. Dana's I'm coming up on eight months. So, um, dude, thanks so much. And it inspires me to talk to somebody who's got 10 years, 10 plus, almost 11 years. Yeah. Um, that's a shitload of time and congratulations on that. And thank you for being a, a great example to so many people and for sharing your story with us, man. Yeah, dude, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. Ray, Spruce, and I send you our best sober vibes by saying goodbye alcohol and hello life. Much love to you all and peace. And yo, if you're still listening at this point, then chances are you're an OG of the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye community. So I just want you to know that you can take your experience to the next level by connecting with other audience members in a private chat. You can get access to members-only content and more by joining the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye premium subscription. For details on how to get six perks for just $6 a month, follow the link in the show notes. But regardless, Al and Spruce and I just want you to know that we love you and we're looking forward to seeing you here on the next episode. Take care.